Hey, hey D&D, D&D fam. fam, I'm Quick. And I'm Lee, and you're listening to Divas, Divas and Duckets. So what is a diva? I think divas get a bad rep, but to me, diva is all about the attitude. As for ducats, it's your finances, your assets, Skrilla, Guap, your coin. We're talking all things with the potential to affect your pockets. And while we're attorneys by trade, we are divas by choice. Divas and Duckets is for edutainment purposes. Y'all, we are not Series 511 <laughs> or 703 professionals. This does not create a financial advisor nope, nope. or attorney-client relationship. The views expressed here are solely our opinions and the opinions of our guests. It's just our opinions, y'all. Okay, Divas, let's talk Duckets. Hey, D&D fam. Welcome back. Yes, yes. Welcome back. And if you have been following us on Instagram, you know that we recently celebrated our one year anniversary. So we just want to, again, tell everyone thank you so much for liking, subscribing, following, commenting, Mm -hmm. and leaving all of the positive feedback throughout the year. And we plan to just do some more amazing things we got more coming right you're stuck with us (laughs) (laughs) and we have i hope you have really enjoyed our last series Mm -hmm. uh, with dating potential and we got a lot of feedback from that series so you know the tidbits that you pulled from it and that were helpful for you all Mm -hmm. um we just you know really appreciate your feedback and today what are we going to be discussing so today we got you know it's national women's history month Mm -hmm. and so we got a little black girl magic today in the building (laughs) we have uh an attorney we're gonna be talking about estate planning she is especially interested in making sure our community Mm -hmm. has the tools that they need um, hailing out of Texas so those of you who aren't in North Carolina you get another spin get more uh, information because laws vary from state to state right for sure so the next voice you will hear as they say at church will be <laughs> Ibekwe, and I'm just going to give you a little information about her because our guests know their stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. So as the founder and principal attorney at Ibekwe Law PLLC, Ife Ibekwe believes that every woman deserves to make decisions that affect her. A woman can accomplish these decisions with wills, trust, and other estate planning documents. Emboldening women is if he's calling, okay? And she's also <laughs> passionate about speaking about entrepreneurship and supporting other women. She graduated from the University of Texas um, at the University of Texas School of Law. Also, she graduated from there and has practiced law for 14 years. She's the board president of the Be the Bridge, a national nonprofit dedicated to racial justice and reconciliation. And when she's not spending time with her remarkable husband (laughs) and four, spirited children, four, she runs the signature We Read Her book club, which focuses on the study and discussion of literature authored by women of color. So she is booked and busy, y'all. Booked and busy. All right. So say hey to our guests. Hello. <laughs> welcome. I'm welcome, so excited. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for being thank here. You. We are excited to have thank you. Thank you for having me. For sure. And let's get into this topic of yes. intergenerational wealth mm-hmm. through estate planning. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yeah, so tell us, how did you get into it? We love to ask our guests, like, yeah. what drew you into estate planning? What, what's your story behind that? Yeah, I did not go to law school um, to become an estate planning attorney by any stretch of the imagination. 
I thought that I would go to law school and become an education lawyer. Mm. That's what I applied for. And that's what I spent the first 11 years of my career doing is working in school law. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually worked at a company for 10 years. And long story short, I got fired from my job. And that was something that had never happened to me before. And it really did cause like, it, it, would, it wouldn't be a quarter year, cri- quarter life crisis, but it was, <laughs> yeah. it was something like a third right. life crisis, third, <laughs> whatever the one third of life right. crisis was. Right. And um, I had three children. I had just had my third child and thought I was done having children. Little did I know. Um, <laughs> and I decided to kind of let go of the law and say, you know what? I bet my talents are, are going to be needed or valued elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had left my children in daycare and one of the moms was a financial advisor and she asked me if I did wills because, you know, when you're a lawyer, they just think you do everything. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, she worked for this company where they would refer business to an attorney and the attorney they were working with was putting the wrong names on wills. Okay. And I was just like, and he's getting repeat business. Do you know what I mean? Right. I was like, uh, I do now. <laughs> and that is literally how I entered the field of estate planning. <laughs> wow. Because I had no, besides law school and taking the bar exam, I had no reference for estate planning mm-hmm. as far as in my community, in my in my life. You know, mm-hmm. I, um, it just didn't seem like an area that was applicable to just a regular person. Right. I always built right. it up as something that very wealthy people Absolutely. did. Mm-hmm. And so I just deep dove into learning all about estate planning and started taking courses and asking questions Mm -hmm. from lawyers who were already practicing and and just built my knowledge base like that. That's awesome. That is awesome. And one man's mistake became your practice. Okay. (laughs) Right. And then you, you mentioned it and hit it on the head. Like we often think that it doesn't apply to us if we're not wealthy. Right. We think it's for the affluent, for the grandiose, but Mm -hmm. how does estate planning affect the, every day, as we say, the regular degular person. Right. right. And I love that term, regular degular, because I feel like <laughs> I'm a regular degular person. Right. Mm-hmm. But every regular degular person who's 18, yeah, whether or not you're regular degular, you could be fancy. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you're 18 and you have capacity to mm-hmm. make decisions, you need an estate plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you make that the floor, Right. A whole lot of us don't have estate plans. Right. I think the number for um, African-Americans specifically might be 70 to 80 percent of people don't have any kind of we're just talking a will. Right. Any kind of document. That's in high. Place. Mm-hmm. That's high. Mm-hmm. And when you think about estate planning, yes, you have the stereotype of having land and estates like mm-hmm. big homes and right. mansions. But we all have an estate. Mm-hmm. And your estate is not only your property and the physical belongings and how much wealth you've built, but it also includes health decisions mm-hmm. for your body. Yeah. Um, who's going to help make decisions for you if you're incapacitated? Mm-hmm. Who's going to have access to your medical records? Who can help you make financial decisions mm-hmm. if something mm-hmm. happens? And that's a part that I think estate planning hasn't been marketed for that because yeah. traditionally it wasn't built for people like us who look like us, which right. is why we are not. Uh, we don't have traditions of estate planning. Yeah. Um, I always like to say, you know, black people were the wealth that was being passed down. Mm, and man. so when you think about that, a lot of families are very wealthy mm-hmm. because they would pass enslaved people from father to son. 
right? right. And, and down, and that's how they built their wealth. And right. they, you see the effects of it today when you talk about intergenerational right. wealth, mm-hmm. when literally built on the backs of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just understanding at a base level that we all need something um, and then building up from what that something is, mm-hmm. is, is a great, that's a message I'm trying to get out there, especially to Black people. We have to open our eyes to see this now that, you know, we have more access because mm-hmm. systemically, yeah. this is a very racist country as we all have, we all see every right. day. Yeah. So there are also reasons why people haven't done it. It's not just because, oh, they just didn't get to it. Right. You know, there are barriers in place. Right. right. And I'm smiling not at what you're saying because what you're saying is a shame really but I just mm-hmm. I feel like my line on this show has become it always goes back to slavery yeah, it yeah. she says that all the time and I was, about <laughs> so to, I was like things. oh this is our girl right here because yes. we like, talk about the she same gets thing me. Yeah. so when a yes. person you know and you spoke to the fact that in state is not just wheels although that's what people think of so what are things that people should be thinking about or maybe even accessing when they think about getting an estate planning ter- uh, uh, planning attorney or some of the things maybe they should bring to the table and kind of have us accessible. Yeah, I think that there's a floor when it comes to estate planning and certain documents that everybody needs. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that you need are uh, a, a financial or property power of attorney, depending on your state. Every state has these forms. Okay. And they're all called something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of them is for financial decision-making. For example, in Texas, you can have somebody as an agent for you to make financial decisions, whether it's paying your mortgage, paying a recurring bill, um, or writing a check for something. If you are either incapacitated Mm -hmm. or you can have it go into effect immediately. Mm -hmm. So say someone is deployed or Mm -hmm. out of the country and they want to make sure a certain financial transaction is made. You can plan to have someone help you for that. Okay. There's also health directives, several of them. One's a medical power of attorney. It allows you to have someone come in and make decisions for you if you're ever incapacitated. It might be called a healthcare power of attorney, mm-hmm. different names in different states. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think with these documents, well, if something happens to me, my husband or my wife mm-hmm. or my family or my mama, no, <laughs> that's not how it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of people have this assumption that somebody else is going to step in and be yep. able to have access mm-hmm. to all your stuff. Yeah. When's the last time you've gone to a bank and tried to access somebody else's account? When's the last time they let you in? Right. Not right. At all. That part. When's the last time you went to the hospital and you're like, I'm looking for this person. Mm-hmm. Tell mm-hmm. me what room they're in or mm-hmm. you call up. Right. We have all sorts of federal privacy laws for financial transactions as well as medical mm-hmm. that are not going to allow you just because that's your baby or just because that's your your sister right. to get access right. to those things. Right. And that becomes a barrier when you need someone to advocate for you. You see how our health outcomes are in this country, mm-hmm. yeah. right? COVID-19 is ravishing the Black community, mm-hmm. even more so the, the, the Latinx community, yeah. 2.8 times more likely to pass away from COVID than your white counterpart. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a problem. Mm-hmm. There's a lack of advocacy. A lot of things could be done in order to ensure that if something happens to you, you have someone helping you make decisions mm-hmm. and not just at the mercy of the doctors mm-hmm. yeah. or uh, ethics board if they can't find anybody that can help you, right? Because mm-hmm. you didn't put anything in place. And so a lot of times these uh, documents are necessary, mm-hmm. but 
when people need them, they can't consent to exactly. them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And there you go. That's like, it's not going to happen to somebody mm-hmm. like you because you're young and you, ha- you you can do that when you're in your 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll be fine. You'll figure it out. Right? No, we're seeing horrible outcomes. And so you have your um, other health directives like your HIPAA authorization. It allows people to come uh, to get access to your health records. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm very similar to what you would have at a doctor's office or a dentist's office. You can plan for that, right? Um, And then one that's really important, and nobody likes to talk about this, but it's a living will. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think a living will is your last will and testament, and it's not. A living will is an advanced healthcare directive Mm -hmm. that you would put in place if you ever end up having a terminal illness or a serious illness, different different ways of doing it in different states but this is a general gist and you're not able to consent for yourself Mm -hmm. you can say what kind of medical intervention you'd want whether you'd want life support artificial feeding um, and other interventions a maximum pain medication Mm -hmm. in texas you can request that and we always joke um in in some of our uh are talks that some people like moist lips. So they want to make sure that you don't get my lips and you get my ankles. You know what I mean? Like whatever it is, there are ways that you can put your wishes down. Right. So you're not looking like, you know, Dave Chappelle okay. um, on your, on your hospital bed. Don't have and me so, ashy. Um, <laughs> Tyrone Biggins. Is yes. Like, <laughs> she said, don't have me ashy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so these are the sorts of things you can put in place. And then lastly, I I always want to emphasize how important it is to have a will, Mm -hmm. but also have a will, but I raise you one and say you should have a trust Mm -hmm. so that you can avoid going to probate. Mm -hmm. And that is not popular because a lot of people are like, get a will, get a Mm -hmm, will. That mm -hmm. has been the the marching cry. But when it comes to intergenerational wealth transfer, oftentimes a will is not sufficient. Yeah, mm. yeah. And so let's get into that because I, you know, wills having recently done my grandmother's, it's really hard to execute a will. It takes time mm-hmm. to execute the will. So like you said, let's talk about trust. Like what is that vehicle and how does it differ from a will? Yeah. So just to talk about the will, I think a lot of people maybe listening might be like, what do you mean a will is not enough? <laughs> right? right. Yeah. I believe that a will is the floor, especially when we're looking at a uh, racial wealth gap, mm-hmm. where there's a report put out by Prosperity Now that said by 2053, Black people are going to be worth zero dollars. Hmm. There's already a 223, I believe, year gap between Black wealth mm-hmm. and white wealth. Mm-hmm. Again, we know why. Right. Let's yes, be real. <laughs> Um, but there is work to be done because mm-hmm. we're about to be hitting that transfer of wealth from the baby boomer generation mm-hmm. down to um, the Gen Xers and millennials or whatever they call us these days, <laughs> right? right. And so that's 20 to 30 years, not only to get your affairs in order, but you need to help your parents mm-hmm. and your elders get their affairs in order and grandparents for a lot of people need yeah. to get their yeah. affairs in order mm-hmm. and not out of the mindset that, yeah, because that's coming to me. But when you think about Black people, a lot of times we are thought of as a collective because we have a communal um, nature to Mm -hmm, us, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. There's information that 
a lot of people will not have access to, right? That mm-hmm. someone listening right now, I'm just planting seeds right. or watering them. Right. I'm right. not expecting to make this happen, but this is one role we play, right? right? Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to wills, that's the floor because a will allows you to say, this is how I want my property to be passed on when I die. It right. only goes into effect upon death. Mm-hmm. What happens a lot of the times when people have their assets passed through will, you still have to go to court. So unless you have a small estate, which might be $50,000 to $75,000, depending on where you are in the country, that means someone has to hire a lawyer Mm -hmm. to go to court and petition on your behalf of your, on behalf of your estate and say, this person has passed away. I'm the person who's closing up their life. Mm-hmm. That costs time, that costs money. And if that will says, here's my one asset, it's this 25, you know, $250,000 house, and I'd like to leave it to my three children, which a lot of people do. They say, right. oh, yeah, right. I want it to first go to my spouse if they have one, and then yeah. to my children in equal share, mm-hmm. which is fine. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Right. I'm pretty sure that's what my mom has done. Mm-hmm. The problem is, how do you split a house three ways? Mm-hmm. You do not. How? Especially if people live in different states, Mm -hmm. different cities, maybe one of them has debts that Mm -hmm. that share would definitely help alleviate Mm -hmm. back child support, student loans, and other things like that. So what usually happens is that asset is sold in order to give people cash. What is wealth in this country? Property is wealth. Mm -hmm. So that's land. That's real estate that maybe has no no debt on it mm-hmm. besides property taxes. And now it's it's gone. Right. Like you yeah. can never get it at that rate that you mm-hmm. um, whoever was passing it down got it. Right. right? Yeah. And so there are things that you can do, like set up trusts. And a trust is a mechanism for holding assets outside of someone's personal name. It can be you can set it up as the person who's the creator of the trust, you could be called a grantor or a trustor, but I won't get into all the details of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But basically in that same scenario, if that person had left that house to their children mm-hmm. in a trust, they could have stipulations saying, yes, okay, one of my kids is in Massachusetts. The other one lives in California and one's in Texas. This house is in Texas. I don't want it to be sold. You can live in it. We can rent it out in that income can be shared amongst three people. You can leave money to satisfy property taxes, which is a lot of the reasons why people don't take on homes because they're like, oh, I don't want to pay the property Mm -hmm, tax. Let's mm -hmm. just sell it, right? Mm -hmm. And you can keep that asset within the family by just setting it up within a trust and transferring that title into a trust rather than having it be an outright gift. Mm. These are some of the things that white people have been doing for hundreds, right. if not thousands of years, because right. it's a British system of, you know, trust planning. And and it gets really deep, right? There are all sorts of things you can put into a trust. You can put life insurance into a trust, mm-hmm. investments, real estate. And you just think of a trust as a bucket mm-hmm. and assets are put into that bucket for the benefit of specified people, right? Mm-hmm. And it can go on generationally. The problem is a lot of times people don't have a very long vision when it comes to our lives. Mm -hmm. So they think, I don't have anything. I got a bunch of student loan debt. I got a lot of like um, other things I want to do with my money. I'm still building. 
Mm-hmm. And you hear about people always wanting to secure the bag. But why are we securing the bag? <laughs> we need to talk about how to transfer the bag. Right, because right. what is the point of building all this wealth when you can't even hand it to your children? What is the point? I'm not even talking about your children's children's children like the right, right. You know, Beyonce and Jay-Z talking about wealth. And you can tell they've done their estate plan. Mm-hmm. But I'm just talking about to your kids. Right. Without yeah. them fighting and, and breaking up the family because they had expectations of what mm-hmm. was coming to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so these are some of the conversations that uh, I have. They're not always the most popular. They're not fun. Because no. I think people are so busy building their portfolios with real estate and investment and Bitcoin. But I'm like, who's your Bitcoin going to? <laughs> right? right. And if you're in Robin Hood, they don't allow you to dis- to designate a beneficiary. So who's getting that? money right Right. there are problems in the system inherently and so this is like the missing piece when we talk about finances and um getting out of debt Mm -hmm. or whatever is the buzzword we never talk about estate planning right because you have to face mortality and you have Mm -hmm. to think beyond yourself Mm -hmm. um when it comes to that so one thing you mentioned that i i wanted to kind of get it more into is the you could put life insurance or you know Mm -hmm. that kind of thing into a trust so maybe someone let's say that they have a life insurance policy right and maybe they want the policy to cover the cost of that home or they don't want people to get it in a lump sum Mm -hmm. essentially so how can you use that trust to bring that to effect with a life insurance policy there are several types of trusts that you can set up for life insurance. Okay. And just generally, the concept works like this. Instead of saying, in a scenario, say you have two minor children, children under the age of 18. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad you brought this up. A lot of people have life insurance that's wholly inadequate. Right. Um, so they may just have a $50,000 policy from their job that comes with the work. And it's like, yeah, I got life insurance, mm-hmm. but that would might cost cover maybe one year of work. Right? right. So that's often a problem, but say you have a million dollar life insurance policy, which is, is not very expensive to get depending on your age, right? Mm-hmm. It changes. And you want to leave that policy first to your spouse. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the secondary beneficiary would be your minor children. Mm-hmm. That is, policy has problems because if something happens to your spouse or say that first person that's an adult, your sister, your cousin, whomever you de- you designate it to, mm-hmm. and they can't get the life insurance, maybe they predecease you and it then goes to your minor children. If they are under the age of 18, they cannot receive property without having somebody in place to manage that property for them. Mm-hmm. And so that ends up being a problem because now you have to go to court figure out how to become the guardian, also probate the estate because that life insurance is a non-probatable asset, which means it doesn't go through probate. So just because you say in your will, which you shouldn't have it in your will, that my life insurance is going to my kids, Mm -hmm. that does not control the contract that you have with that company. What you can do instead is set up a trust and say it's a Lee and Quick family trust, Mm -hmm. right? And we'll call it that. That secondary beneficiary or primary beneficiary can be the Lee and Quick Family Trust. And that money will be paid into the trust. That way, whatever the terms of the trust are, which could say the house is not to be sold, the income um, and profits from the investments and the real estate are to be paid in these percentages to these beneficiaries, 
look, I'm talking as detailed <laughs> as you want it to be, okay? Right. There are so many ways to do it, but you can have instructions on how to manage the money that mm -hmm. has been paid. The thing is, a lot of people don't realize many wealthy people in this country build their wealth with insurance. Mm -hmm. yeah. But that means that they are not just thinking about their lifetime. They really, and although there are certain insurance policies that you can get and get benefits while you're alive, but they buy these million dollar policies because they know it's going to go to my kids mm -hmm. or it's going to go to my niece or this institution or this hateful place that I want to make sure is going. I mean, like right. <laughs> everywhere is being funded by death. Okay. Right, mm -hmm. right. And so what you need to do if you have such a lump sum you don't want to leave five hundred thousand dollars to um most anybody right? right that's a lot of money mm -hmm. to leave but you can leave that money for the benefit of someone that's managed um by a trustee which would be the person that manages the trust mm -hmm. um and i don't want to get so in the weeds that it becomes so confusing right. but just suffice to say, you can start a trust while you're alive and manage it, and then it can fund. It can be funded upon your death, and also continue afterwards. So mm -hmm. that's definitely something to bring up with, mm -hmm. when you talk to attorneys and say, "Hey, I heard about this trust. How how would that work for someone like me?" Yeah, yeah. For sure. And can you talk about uh, revocable and irrevocable trust? Yeah. So the general concept is a revocable or revocable trust is a trust that can be changed. In the example I just gave, there's a very common trust called a revocable living trust. Mm -hmm. It's a, So in a situation like that, for example, I have one with my husband. We are the co-trustees while we're alive. And that means we can put various assets into that trust for the benefit of our kids and their kids, you know, until the trust basically ends. Mm -hmm. If we both, if, if one of us passes away, the surviving spouse becomes the sole trustee, the way ours is written. Mm -hmm. When we both pass away, that trustee is the next person that we have assigned and that trust becomes irrevocable and or irrevocable. And so that just means it cannot be changed. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so there are various trusts where you can set them up at the beginning as an irrevocable trust, mm -hmm. or you can have it transform into that later, or you can have part of it become irrevocable. A mm -hmm. lot of times when people... Um, have children and they want to make sure their children aren't disinherited they want to say like okay look I know you might go on and marry somebody after me right mm -hmm. and I want to make sure if you have a whole new family that our original family is taken care of mm -hmm. there are ways to set up trust so that your kids are protected mm -hmm. so these or if you're in a blended family and you come together and mm -hmm. you want to make sure that you know yours mine and ours get what they have coming to them and protect people do that with things like trust. Mm -hmm. um, and so just the general concept is revocable can be changed. Irrevocable, irrevocable cannot be changed. Gotcha. Perfect. I'm learning so much. <laughs> no, <laughs> dropping a lot of chips. <laughs> so your practice, she mentioned it earlier, but your practice has a distinct focus on women and, you know, minorities. Where did that, obviously that passion of you being both, but outside of that, where did that passion come from? You know, when I was setting up my firm, it was all like a, a dream in my head. And so when I was deciding what kind of practice I wanted, I just started dreaming about who I would serve and um, who, who they were and what they watched and what podcasts they would listen to and what shows. And I used to listen to so many podcasts when mm -hmm. I actually got to go places. But now I'm like, oh, 
that really like with these kids screaming I'm like oh I can't even enjoy like my my commute listen you know but just what they read and what celebrities were influential to them Mm -hmm. and I just did a, a, a foundational values and mission and one thing that I really feel called to Uh, encourage women. And it just sounds so cliche, but I really do. Even Mm -hmm. if I wasn't a lawyer, I'd just be doing Mm -hmm. this anyway. I'd be telling people how that they are capable of so much. They deserve more pay and access and and all of that, especially for women. I have three daughters. Mm -hmm. I didn't know I was going to have three daughters, (laughs) but it now has like completely lit me up. Like I see how there's pay disparity and I just get so angry. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, we have the skill set and we need to know we don't have to wait for men to come along to begin. Mm -hmm. And so with that temperament, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if that's a temperament. I don't know what you would call that, (laughs) but that fire I have, I wanted my law firm not to center the men or the family. I wanted it to come from a point of view of the woman Mm -hmm. because that woman is going to be connected to her spouse, her parents and her children and her community. Mm -hmm. And it has been a phenomenal marketing standpoint to go that way. Mm -hmm. I actually didn't even know if I could. And I contacted, Mm -hmm. you know, lawyers always have all sorts of rules about advertising. I contacted ethics and I said, is it okay to say that I am a law firm for women? Mm-hmm. Is that allowed? Yeah. And the woman was like, oh, where were you when I was getting <laughs> <laughs> my state plan done? Right. Because what I get a lot of is women come in and they say, yeah, I'm ready to do this. Do I have to have my spouse on board mm-hmm. or is it okay um, if I just make my spouse do it? I'm like, well, if they're becoming a client, they have to consent on their own free will. But mm-hmm. it's often an entree into the area of estate planning mm-hmm. because there's no procrastination there. They want to protect themselves and their assets mm-hmm. and leave behind instructions. And this, when they read about my firm, they're like, oh my gosh, breath of f- fresh air. Right. I didn't even know I didn't, I didn't even know I was looking for this mm-hmm. right. because we don't advertise well as lawyers. It's no. really bad out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. And so that's, I just started doing it as long, as long as I could do it. I just said, sure, let me write some copy too. I don't want it to be uh, scales of justice. I'm going to look at you <laughs> and right. go downtown mm-hmm. and take a bunch of pictures of myself, which I had never done right? because I want them to know, hey, I'm like you. I mm-hmm. think it's fun to do things mm-hmm. with color and mm-hmm. with, yeah. with life and to have joy in my law practice. So. Yeah, because they do often think of attorneys as being stoic. So when you show that, the co- like you said, the color and the vision and just mm-hmm. yeah. making that attraction. Yeah. part of it as well like it does and just relatable yeah yeah very relatable yes. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and think about the stereotype for what i do who do you think of when you think about an estate planning lawyer do you a think white man white man a white yeah. man old white <laughs> old white men. man yeah. Yeah. at my meetings old white men yeah. who manage a lot of high mm-hmm. net worth individuals and then manage their children and mm-hmm. then manage their children and that's just generational work mm-hmm. that's another reason that we're not in this game is because nobody is trying to come and make sure that we're doing that for our families and our community. Yeah. They're barely, I barely see women right? Yeah. <laughs> of any color. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, it's not built. It's not a system built for us. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I am truly a unicorn in that respect. So I think it's also easier for other people to approach when they don't necessarily feel like they will get the service they want because they don't look the part. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. 
Yeah, I could I could definitely see that being um, intimidating, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that made me think of is it's already, like you said, the conversation, no one, no one wants to think about them dying, even though we know it's yeah. going to happen one day, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, sometimes elders can be a little cantankerous um, <laughs> about having these discussions and even from the other side of maybe sharing with you know those who might benefit Mm -hmm. in a way from your death um yes so how would you you know just as a professional first do you think you should have these conversations in terms of your plans for your estate and then if so like how do you suggest maybe going about making those conversations as comfortable as possible Right. And this is this is a really big question, because mm-hmm. when you think about a lot of women our age, we're in a sandwich generation. Mm-hmm. Right. We have people who have come before us who are adults and then people who are coming after us that are younger. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. you kind of reach up and you reach down um, on top of being in building years of mm-hmm. our lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But if you look down the road, one of the things that we also don't talk about is the cost of long-term care. Mm-hmm. By the age of 65 currently, 69% of Americans are going to need some sort of long-term care. And that's just basic bathing, feeding, um, clothing. Like Just think of a baby, that yeah. kind of care, yeah. right. right? On average, women need that kind of care for 3.7 years of their lives. Men, about 2.2 years, because men don't live as long as women, mm-hmm. right? And so that's with today numbers. And mm-hmm. we have that forecast available. When you think about who is going to provide that care, um, this is all from the Department of Health Services. I'm mm-hmm. not making up these numbers. Um, <laughs> health and Human Services. Mm-hmm. I'm not just like, yeah. yeah just make up and had decimals um, too. I think the stat was about 80% of that care is provided by women. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that care is on average 20 hours a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always say I get fired up about pay equity and access and mm-hmm. the fact that women can do, as far as I'm concerned, anything, mm-hmm. right? As long yeah. as we don't have barriers in our place, in, mm-hmm. in place. Mm-hmm. This is actually a barrier that is coming for a lot of us, taking care of our elders, mm-hmm. taking care of our parents or siblings or other members of our family because there has been no planning in place. Mm-hmm. And so that's one way to enter the conversation is not, hey, what you got coming for me? Because I think a lot of people right. think that you should just start talking about what do you want to do with your house? Right. What do you want right. to do? With your, you know, like nobody wants to be accosted and asked about what's going to happen when you die. You know, right. that is not the way to come into it. One way to come into it is to say, you know, one of the things I did, I decided to get my affairs in order. I got a will. I prepaid my funeral. You know, it could be a shock mm-hmm. when you start saying things like this, especially at our age. They're like, are you planning to die? Right. Well, no, but I am planning. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's always a great way to enter the subject is to say, this is what I did. And mm-hmm. let me tell you about it. And it felt so good. And I want to talk to you about your legacy mm-hmm. and what you want to what you want to be remembered for, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What do you want your grandkids to remember you for? What do you want your community? Yeah. And start having conversations mm-hmm. where you talk about, record it, you know? Mm-hmm. We got to put down the history of our elders and, yeah. and make that a normal conversation to have. Mm-hmm. Because I think when we start having these sorts of retrospective conversations, words of wisdom that you have, then you can start saying things like, you know, I've been thinking about what you were sharing about how you want to make sure that your church 
goes on. Mm -hmm. What are some ways that you would want to do that? Would you want to leave them money? And just, you know, your family member. Mm -hmm. So you know what's an appropriate ask. Mm -hmm. And this is not a one-time conversation. No, Mm -hmm. This has to be a conversation that is normalized Mm -hmm. and had repeatedly. Because it's not something that we do, but a lot of... um, people who do estate planning they have family meetings yep where they sit with the lawyer and talk about estate planning and they get their tax form for the trust so that they can file that with their personal taxes mm. and then they start grooming the younger generation okay you turn 21 uh, you turned 18 here are your documents to execute mm. and okay now you've just had a baby let's go ahead and set up a trust mm-hmm. they just do yeah. that because yeah. that's just normal Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking ultra wealthy. I'm just saying that when I started my practice, I got a lot of blue collar white people yeah. that were saying, yeah, my daddy said it was time to come in and get my estate planning mm-hmm. done because mm-hmm. I'm going to receive the family. You know, I got 40 acres that nobody wants. Right. But they were keeping their land. Mm-hmm. They know that's important. Or if in that similar situation, we have a lot of people who live in rural parts of America who have land yeah, and have had it for generations, yes. mm-hmm. right? But you may live in a city and not really think that's a big deal, mm-hmm. but that land could be squandered, sold, and you don't know what is mm-hmm. happening in another generation where the next hot spot will be. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you want to talk about, hey, what are, we, what are we doing with the family land? Mm-hmm. Is it going to 13 heirs? <laughs> because the next generation, it might be going to 80 heirs. Right. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. So there are things you can do to plan for that. Um, and, and just, you know, I'm on Clubhouse sometimes. I, I started this club with my friend Portia Wood called the Black Trust Fund Kids mm. because we want to normalize Black children mm-hmm. having trust funds mm-hmm. yes. and not make that something that is not for us. It right. is for us, and it's how we are going to pass down wealth. And one of the things that we do, we have a room called Don't Sell Big Mama's House. <laughs> I love because it. Oftentimes, Big Mama's house is in some place that was very undesirable Mm -hmm. due to segregation or um, crime Mm -hmm. or whatever. But as we see, gentrification. (laughs) Okay, Mm -hmm. Big Mama stayed in that pit, and now it is worth millions Mm -hmm. or in a generation could be worth millions of dollars depending Mm -hmm. on where the trends are Mm -hmm. we want to preserve those assets and try to hold on to real estate because real estate and land they generally appreciate yeah and so um I don't even remember what the question was, but I just got on my It was just having a conversation, which you're doing. Yeah. (laughs) Have a conversation. And I think that's just so important. Like, we don't understand the the importance, like you said, of property and real estate. You know, we, I don't, like you said, don't want the headache of paying the taxes. Let's sell it. Like you but just sold taxes. all this property, so you would have to pay two thousand dollars, right? Or probably less. About it, those, but even if they are three thousand, three thousand over a year, you can right. break that down. Into and a especially car if payment. it's split between three people, I just, we just have to understand the importance of property well, and real estate because our imp- grandparents did. Well, where's the importance of sacrifice? Because yeah. I think that sometimes, let's be honest, there are some people who don't have. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And a lot of times the people who, when we, when we talked, you know, brought up the gentrification, those folks who sold out, they couldn't see long term because they didn't have. Right, right. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So I think sometimes it's thinking about, okay, $3,000. I got to come up with $300 a month. What do I spend $300 a month on? Mm-hmm. That might mean, like you said, if it's three of us and each of us is going to pay 
four months of the property tax, that might mean that month I didn't get that installment. Right. Because that's how much, you know, between mm-hmm. you sewing the actual bundles and the installment, that's your three hundred dollars. You so know it, that's the first thing I go it. after. Well, now you got to make like, it massages and the, the bundles, and the, that might Listen. be that month. If if it's three of us, okay, right. I know that I need to get my installment on a different month. That's a wig month, okay? <laughs> right, right. It is. That's, that's a ramen a month. Yeah, but I definitely and also like in those we also just have to take the secrecy out of things. Like, I don't yeah. know. We yeah. are very secretive oh, yeah. within our own conversations mm-hmm. within the black community, and I just. I always say, if your secrets are eventually going to affect me, then we need to talk about it. Now, that's health. Absolutely. You know, you don't want to talk to me about what's going on in a doctor appointment. But like you said, in, in 10 years, I'm the caretaker now yeah. because of Listen, things you didn't want to talk about. It is your whole yes. life. Yeah. So, secrecy is my future burden. Right, exactly. Yes, right, we right. have to talk about those things. So, you know... If it just sits in a comfortable, I think you made a very good point. It's easier to come to the table and have a conversation with somebody when you're already doing those things. True. So, yeah, if you could tell them, yeah, I pay, you know, like you said, pay for, you know, I pay for my burial, it will make them be like, oh, okay. You know, like, oh, I'm going to get why? it. Why? going to pay for mine. Right. Yeah. Why? It, 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 even if it's a why and it opens up that conversation, mm-hmm. but to come at it like, you need to do this, you, and they looking at you like, well, what did you do? No. Yeah. It, it's exactly. a, yeah, so when you set yourself up first, mm-hmm. it just makes those conversations either, but either way, they have to be had. They like do. We, we, we just yeah, have to. Sure. And I would like to say on the burial note, like I always say a reminder, whenever you see an elderly person crowdfunding or somebody asking for a fish fry to bury their loved ones, right. that is a trigger. And I want everyone who's listening to think, have I gotten my estate planning done? Right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. we should not be donating to those things. Right. I mean, there are exceptions where someone dies and they're young and mm-hmm. it's not something, mm-hmm. but there are people who also plan for that too. I mean, I yeah. understand the stigma around it, but there are ways to plan for yeah. these things mm-hmm. um, so that you're not fish frying your grandma or crowdfunding on Facebook mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. give your loved one a dignified burial right yeah i think that that is a humiliation that we don't have to experience Mm -hmm. and there are inexpensive ways to plan for that so yeah Yeah. um yeah one thing and i just thought when she was saying 18 people because one of my parents Mm. is one of 10 and i'm just like when my grandmother goes i don't i don't know um we'll see um but one of the things I thought of, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to see. But you know, she's ninety one, so we'll, yeah. yeah, they're stubborn. But it made me think of the question we talked about. So one of our previous episodes, we talked about prenups, and which can also mm-hmm. be a very touchy subject for some. And so mm-hmm. in a situation where, because you know, divorce happens. Mm-hmm. So in a situation yes. where maybe one partner was just strongly against a prenup or they just never got one for whatever reason, how can a person protect, you know, those heirs or, you know, people that they wanted to give to in the event that it is there is a divorce now and there's there's no prenup. There's nothing saying that yeah. you know. So this is, it's going to vary from state to state because Mm -hmm. some states, I believe 13 have community property laws. Mm -hmm. So short of a prenup, if you don't decide to have some sort of prenuptial agreement in place and say, this is what I'm bringing to the marriage and I want to keep it my own and separate property Mm -hmm. and you mingle your assets and you build wealth together. Think of like the Jeff Bezos and Mm -hmm. um, his wife who helped him build Amazon, right? That's their divorce, she was entitled to 
her contributions yes. at 50%, mm-hmm. which is why she is also very wealthy now. Yes. I mean, she was also wealthy. All should have been wealthy, you know, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> she built, listen, as far as I'm concerned, she built that company, okay? Right. There's certain things that I'm just like, mm, okay. But um, <laughs> there are situations like that where you don't have a prenuptial agreement. Mm-hmm. So um, Texas is a community property state. And mm-hmm. so in that instance, there are certain div- divisions that might happen upon divorce yeah. um, when you're separating property, right? Mm-hmm. One of the things that um, some people do is uh, they come in with separate property mm-hmm. before they're married and maintain it separately. So if you're someone about to get married, but you're not going to get a prenup, but you know, like you've owned this home before you got married, or you have certain investment accounts that are never commingled, they're in your name, you don't commute, you don't commingle or mix it mm-hmm. with any other, there are other ways to keep that mm-hmm. separate. And and that's something that, um, that you can do. In other states, I'm not sure how it works, but I believe that you can give property property to whomever you want by designating who should inherit that Mm -hmm. based on your state. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that you want to talk to a lawyer about and figure out what the best way is for separating property. Mm -hmm. Other times when people are doing wills, they'll do marital property agreements, which is basically, maybe we didn't have a prenup, but I just want to say that this, it's like a postnup, right? Mm -hmm. This is going with me and that's is going with him. Mm-hmm. If you have someone who refuses to do any sort of planning like that, but you get divorced, when your assets are separated through the whole divorce process, at that point, you need to do another estate plan if you've done one before to mm-hmm. figure out where you want your wealth to reside and with yeah. whom. A lot of people forget this. I had mm-hmm. a client for a probate matter um, and his parents were filing for him. He never changed his life insurance after his divorce. Ooh. And so yep. his ex-wife was entitled to the entire, yep. almost half a million dollar life insurance policy. And you know what mm-hmm. they do when you have life insurance to an adult? They pay it that next business day. Send so they just ask for your happy. bank account mm-hmm. and transfer money like you've never seen, right? Which is why it's also <laughs> very important to make sure that your life insurance and stuff is titled correctly mm-hmm. and that the beneficiaries are correct mm-hmm. and change it every time they they pester you do you need to change yes check it. <laughs> change it. if you're divorced you don't want your ex getting your life insurance and yeah. there are certain circumstances depending on what type of plan you have where that can happen mm-hmm. in that instance i had to call and email her and say hey would you mind disclaiming <laughs> this to your ex-in-laws mm. uh, and she did. She disclaimed 50%. Oh, and well, so that is a possibility. That was, that was nice of her. Very unlikely. Right. right. Okay? I would not take. And these are the sorts of things you have to think out about with life insurance, or, uh, excuse me, estate planning, which includes life insurance. I talk about life insurance a lot, but it's actually not uh, something I sell, right? Mm-hmm. It's just something that can really help you build wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so in instances like that, when you talk about people don't agree, they're coming together. If you're coming together and you already don't agree, you need to get some stuff separate and keep it separate. Mm -hmm. That's for somebody who's outside. If you're together and you don't agree, there are certain things that will naturally stay with you or with that person based on how you set up your estate, Mm -hmm. right? Or how, what state you're in as well. So it can get very complicated, but the bottom line is you, if you end up getting divorced from someone and you don't have a prenuptial agreement, make sure you follow up by changing your estate plan or establishing one. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, 
there are things that you may have in place from a previous one yeah. that you think are invalidated, but they may not be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also goes for these non-probate assets, like any investment accounts mm-hmm. or life insurance or retirement. You want to change those things mm-hmm. um, in order to make sure that they work. Yeah. Team Petty, when you get separated, go ahead and change that name. <laughs> because if you get back together, you can change it back. But uh, yep. no. And so me and Leah have actually had a conversation. Of, well, it was kind of hypothetical and not hypothetical, right? So receiving property, like your parents did what they were supposed to do, wills, trusts, all the good things, yeah. right? And so the children, two, three kids, now have the properties. And let's say, you know, child number three gets married and doesn't want to do the whole prenup thing with his spouse, but he has interest in this inherited property. Mm-hmm. How can, you know, and then he gets divorced. Oh, yeah, that could under your property. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's just so many ways to... When a, even when a person is proactive in doing what they're trying to do to create that intergenerational wealth for that heir mm-hmm. to go and unravel all of it quickly. Yeah, your sibling or your cousin could mess up your whole inheritance, Yeah, mm-hmm. right? And so that's another reason that trust planning makes sense mm-hmm. because you want to protect that asset. You want to get as many things out of your name as possible. right? Mm-hmm. And you don't want to share stuff in other people's names because that, I, I should say this, when you share things with other people as an inheritor, as a beneficiary, you also share their drama, their mm-hmm. divorces, mm-hmm. any garnishment of wages, right. liens on their, you know, property. Yeah. Right. And so sometimes that is satisfied by selling off assets. Mm-hmm. And if you are part owner and they can make any kind of claim to that asset having to be liquidated to yep. satisfy a secured debt or some other way that creditors mm-hmm. can see your mm-hmm. receipt of assets that could end up making them file a claim to own, you know, to, to, to get their pay. Yeah. And that's another reason, you know, when you, you die with a will, everything is public. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you have to post it. And what happens is the creditors, the banks that you owe money and you haven't paid off your credit card, they're like, oh, oh, oh I am owed mm-hmm. X amount of dollars out of this. Right. And they see who's getting it. So not only the, 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 the dead person or the decedent, they can see what they have as far as debts. And then the beneficiaries, mm-hmm. they can see, oh, okay, well, you owe us on this and you've walked away from that. But I see you just come, you've just come into right. you just a came nice up sum a of bit. money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And so they will come after it. And so one thing a trust does is that it keeps that out of the court system. Mm-hmm. And then it's out of anybody's name so that there is more protection there from mm-hmm. creditors trying to get in. Now, trust is not a tax evasion strategy because I think people just think you put things in trust and don't have to pay taxes. That's not how it works. Right. And currently the estate tax amount in the United States is $11.7 million as of 2021 mm. per person. Um, and so it's a very high amount mm-hmm. for the average regular degular, as mm-hmm. you said right. person. <laughs> yeah. And so- that number is is sunsetting in 2026, which means it's going to be probably at most $5 million. And when you talk about people having investments Mm -hmm. and homes that are worth a lot and growing, it also will make you have to look into Mm -hmm. estate planning because there might be tax consequences Mm -hmm. on gifting to the next generation. And I should also add, Texas doesn't have um, death tax or estate taxes mm-hmm. for the state level, but many states do. I know mm-hmm. Massachusetts, it's $1 million. So mm-hmm. listen, 
if you don't have a trust, you're squandering your estate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't pay that. That's good. So, and this is, you might have something else. My last question, just because I'm more familiar with wills, so I'm not sure this might be a really simple question, but can, I know with the will, you can contest it. Can someone contest a trust? Yeah, um, people can contest it. Um, if you just think about it, you can pretty much contest anything. Okay. For example, if you feel like there is some sort of um, mismanagement of the trust and mm. um, just depending on what kind of access you have, sometimes the um, beneficiaries contest it, you mm-hmm. know, um, but that's something that sometimes it keeps people blind. I'll, I'll say this about trust generally. Um, it's harder to, to see what's within it if you are not privy to it. So you. you can be disinherited and have really no right to to see it. Mm-hmm. And um, some one, the, one of the downsides of setting up trust like that I've seen in some of my friends who are trust fund kids is that it can be used as a as a tool to control control, control. your children. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at I don't know if you ever yeah. watched the show Succession on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, I love shows about trust <laughs> and estate planning <laughs> where they're trying to keep on their dad as this uh, Rupert Murdoch character. Mm-hmm. He's a, a mm-hmm. media conglomerate. Um, scion and they are basically wanting to make sure like they're in his good graces because he might die soon and they want to make sure that they're not disinherited right Mm -hmm. so they're talking they want to keep on the good graces of the lawyer Mm -hmm. they are trying to please dad all the time and there there is a manipulation to that because i think sometimes when it comes to inheritances Mm -hmm. there is a presumption that you are getting something especially when you have any kind of asset it doesn't matter if it's ten thousand dollars if one quarter of that is yours people will fight oh yeah and the one thing that i would have to say about contesting any sort of estate planning is that you want to make sure that in a contest Mm -hmm. um if you play it down the road which is why it's really great to talk to an estate planner when you're setting things up and not just do it out of the library or Mm -hmm. on legal zoom you can tell this stuff is very complicated Mm -hmm. yeah right um part of that should be how is this going to affect your family Mm-hmm. is this going to bode well for your children and when you're gone mm-hmm. that this child is getting 50% and the other two are getting 25% whatever it is that they're getting a car or this one's getting in the house because they're the youngest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. have you explained why right. and I try and say please as much as you can no one has a right to determine what happens to your estate mm-hmm. you know um short of having some state laws or some marital agreements and that sort of thing, right? Right. As far as someone who's a beneficiary, they have no right to anything. You can be mm-hmm. disinherited. I disinherit people on my clients' wishes all the time. Mm-hmm. And they and there are no contest clauses which say things like, if you contest this and you're a beneficiary, you're getting nothing. These those are challenged often, right? Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. still challenge them. And so there are other things that you can do to set up and, and make sure um, that your kids know what's going on and that they are prepared mm-hmm. and, and communication is a really helpful tool yeah. in that. Yeah. Really important. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And you kind of hit on my last question, which was the legal zoom. So I was, I will preface this with, I am a lawyer and I am getting a lawyer to do my trust. So I do not suggest you do not hire an attorney, mm-hmm. but for those that are hell bent on doing everything themselves um how do you even create a trust like we know that you know some of the simplicities of a will needing you know the witness and a notary yeah Yeah. like you can make it 
in of course in law school they're like you can write it on a napkin mm-hmm. um you know they just make it so simple to do a will but how do you even create a trust does it have to be done at the bank or like are there stipulations in a trust the way it is in a will just like i would never want to uh change my own um engine right or do my own filling mm-hmm. or perform any surgery on my own knee right there are right. some things that you should not do nope. and that's just like you should not be creating your own trust right i will even say for a will that you can follow like i need two witnesses who are over the age of 14 right. and i can say all to my wife and sign it which has been i think it's a it's a state planning like the most basic will that was ever valid validated not in the u.s but overseas with someone writing that on the wall in their Mm. deathbed and signing it when it comes to trust absolutely not will i ever even (laughs) attempt to tell you how to do that right right (laughs) i I feel like that is a horrible thing for anyone to delve into without Mm -hmm. proper training and as you just said even lawyers Mm -hmm. are like i don't know the first thing about setting up trust Mm -mm. not gonna do it and so if you've gone to school (laughs) yeah and you've done all of that training and you still feel like that's not an area I'm comfortable. Just like, I can't do a bankruptcy. Right. right. You know, mm-hmm. I can't do a divorce. Right. Mm-hmm. And so as, and I'm a lawyer, it's just like any professional, just because you do one thing doesn't mean you can do other things mm-hmm. within mm-hmm. that profession. Right. So I would strongly discourage anyone from setting up a trust. Truly do not um, because you'll probably mess it up. And there are lawyers who shouldn't be doing it because they don't know what they're doing too. And that's another thing, you know, um, when you find someone who says that they do all these areas of the law, chances are they're not doing any of them too deeply. Right. Right. Doing them well. And so when it comes to your estate, when you think about all you're working for and what you want to pass on Mm -hmm. to the next generation, the causes, institution and people, family, then you probably want to go ahead and pay for that to be done. Mm -hmm. Amen. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful and mm-hmm. informative yes. and such a wealth of information. We really, really appreciate you coming on Divas and Duckets and mm-hmm. passing along this information. And so tell our guests where they can find you at. You can find me. I am on Instagram at the Justin Case Lawyer. If you are in Texas and you are looking for an estate planning attorney, I am at willsintexas.com. Mm-hmm. And um, my personal website is iffyibekwe.com. If you're interested in finding out more about becoming an estate planning lawyer, or um, I am also uh, writing a book on wealth and the racial wealth gap and how to empower people who yes. are not old rich white men in mm-hmm. estate planning I love it. and give a really uh how to step-to-step guide um how to guide step-by-step mm-hmm. on how to establish your estate plan and the questions you need to be asking your lawyer and the information that you need so you feel like an informed consumer so that hopefully is coming out next year i'm yeah. working we'll be looking for on it, it. <laughs> i'm really excited about yeah. that because i feel like it, it just lends credibility when you can have someone speak with a cultural competency mm-hmm. yes. about issues that are may be particular to certain populations mm-hmm. that have been ignored i hope that yeah. it's a blessing to other people mm-hmm. and um i'm also on linkedin facebook wherever you google me i'll probably come up so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's i'm on the interwebs we yes. love it and we will have her information in the show notes and as we say in the meantime and in between time all right bye